0: When we open our Bibles and turn to the New Testament, the first four books, the Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. These four gospel accounts provide for us the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these writers write uh, they have a different flow, but what brings them all together is that. They are all declaring the arrival of the Messiah. How he fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures. How he died according to the scriptures. How he was buried and he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. However, 700 years before these gospel accounts was a particular portion of scripture written. And it contains detailed words. Hence, some scholars would call it the fifth gospel. But it is the first gospel because it was written first. And this text is detailed and it is specific. This morning we have a privilege of looking at the fourth seven song in the book of Isaiah. And this passage takes place in Isaiah chapter 52 from verses 13 through to 50, 53 to verse 12. And this is where really the chapter division misses it because this song begins in Isaiah 52 from verses 13. So going onwards now, I will call this whole song Isaiah 53 and and this song really contains of five stanzas listen to what Martin Luther says about Isaiah 53 every Christian should be able to recite Isaiah 53 from memory everything that you need to know about the gospel read Isaiah 53 Everything here from the incarnation to the final exaltation. His arrival, his life, his rejection, his trial, his death, his burial, his resurrection and ascension and his intercession. These 15 verses provides for us a single song. The fourth servant song. And we can outline it in stanzas. And it's five sections. And each stanza provides for us a different stage in the life and the ministry of this suffering servant. And the theme that binds this entire song really is suffering. How Yahweh God sends his servant into this world to suffer. And this suffering is brutal. Yet, there is something amazing about this suffering servant. It it doesn't end there. He he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. And you would notice, in our second stanza, we see a, a group of witnesses. They are speaking of this event that has impacted and affected a group of people. And they use a plural. We, our, us, all. It's a group of people who are speaking as being transformed by what this suffering servant did. And they speak of the suffering of this servant as a past tense. This is a victorious song, brothers and sisters. It's a song that announces victory before it even begins. It's an amazing prophecy. One scholar writes, As he looks at Isaiah 53, he says seven times in the New Testament, a portion of this song is directly quoted. And over 40 times in the New Testament, the writers allude to the language of this song. And this should gain our attention. To see and understand that this song is significant to all the New Testament writers And listen, this is a key to understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This song. If I were to title my message this morning, I will call it The Suffering Servant. In Isaiah chapter 52 from verse 13 all the way down to 53 verse 12, we see five stanzas that describes the life of, Ministry, death, burial, and resurrected life of Jesus Christ so that you may trust in the finished work of Christ. Five stanzas that describe the life, ministry, death, burial, resurrected life of Jesus Christ so that you may trust in the finished work of Christ. The first stanza is the servant's supremacy. The second stanza is the servant's shunning. The third stanza is the servant's sacrifice. And the fourth stanza is the servant's silence. And the fifth stanza is the servant's success. If you didn't get those stanzas, don't worry. I will repeat them as we go along. We'll be walking through this song together this morning. And what I want you to see, brothers and sisters, is that these prophecies that were prophesied 700 years ago, they were fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. Let us look at our first stanza, The Servant's Supremacy, chapter 52, Isaiah 52, verse 13 through 15. And here, the reading of God's Word. Behold, my servant will prosper... He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were appalled at you, my people. So his appearance was marred more than any man. And his form more than the sons of men. Thus you will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what? Had not been told, for what had not been told them, they will see, and what they had not heard, they will understand. Verse 13 through to 15 is the summary of this whole song. This suffering servant, he will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted, he will become a man. And he will die and suffer. His ministry really would last forever. And Gentiles will be saved. Notice what verse 13 says. This is Yahweh God speaking. Yahweh God is making an announcement Behold, my servant will prosper. That's a promise. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. And this language, notice, this language belongs only to Yahweh. This servant is divine. He is God. No other human is to be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. But this servant is. And, and he will prosper He won't fail his mission. He will be bashed, the servant. His face will be disfigured. Notice verse 14. Just as many were appealed at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. This suffering servant would be brutally beaten. His physical appearance would be mad. He will look horrible. Don't we see these accounts in the Gospels? The second person of the triune God, the Son of God, who is exalted, who is supreme, he came into the world, took on flesh. He was truly God and truly man listen to what John says in John chapter 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory glory as of the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth John chapter 1, verse 14, he will be arrested, he will be hated, he will be stabbed, he will be mocked, the suffering servant will be laughed at. However, verse 15, he will bring cleansing to many nations. And this will go beyond Israel. Notice what verse 15 tells us. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what they had not heard, they will understand. The advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, is also among the Gentiles, as we read this morning. The Jews rejected, and then Paul went to the Gentiles. And this first stanza really introduces us about this supreme servant. God became a man and suffered. But he has a final victory and exaltation, and he will sprinkle many nations. This is God speaking about his suffering servant, what he will do. It's a wonderful song. This song begins with the end. (laughs) Let me ask you this question. Is Christ supreme in your life? Christian, don't lose sight. Don't lose sight, believer, of the supremacy of this suffering servant. Do you recognize the supremacy of this servant? The one who is high and lifted up is supreme. You would notice in our second stanza, the voice changes. No longer Yahweh God speaking, but the group of witnesses who look back at what they have missed. They give testimony about this suffering servant, what he has done. Having seen the servant's supremacy, let us now consider our second stanza the servants shunning. Isaiah 53 from verses 1 to 3 reads who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of Yahweh been revealed for you grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him No no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Some of your translation says, For you grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He's something like he can be plucked out. And this Messiah, this suffering servant, is not the Messiah that the people were expecting. Israel was expecting a political savior. And yet, take a look at the middle of verse 2. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him. No beauty that we should desire him. Israel, you see, wanted a political figure who will overthrow the Roman Empire, and this Messiah came riding in a donkey. He did not meet their expectations. Israel was looking for a Messiah who will fulfill their desires. Isn't it true today? People are looking looking for God in their own making who will fulfill their own pleasures. Ah, you just need Jesus. You just need to add him. Your life will be okay. And this God does not demand holiness and righteousness. What kind of a God are you looking for, friend? You see, people reject it the truly, the Messiah that they truly need. He came to his own, but his own rejected him. A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, and like from one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. We do not want to look at him, We hated him. Jesus said in John 15 verse 18, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hates you. Jesus was hated. Are you you rejecting him now, friend? This man of sorrow who's acquainted with grief, are you despising him? My friend, I urge you this morning, look to this suffering servant who is supreme, who is high and lifted up. Look to him. He is greatly exalted. Look to him and to him only. We have seen the servant's supremacy... The servant's shunning. Let us now consider our third stanza, the sacrifice of the servant. The sacrifice of the servant from verse 4 through to 6. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the chastening of our peace fell upon him and by his wounds we are healed each of us like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to his own way but Yahweh has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him This suffering servant will be a sacrifice. He will be a substitutionary sacrifice. He will take the place for many. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen to R.C. Sproul's famous line, rather. We are not sinners because we sin. But we sin because we are sinners and sin must be dealt with. Why is it necessary for this suffering servant to be a sacrifice for us? Because of our griefs, our sorrows. Listen to what Matthew 8 verse 14 through 17 says, when Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law laying in bed sick, with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began waiting on him. Now when the evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were ill, in order to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases, our transgressions, our iniquities. All were like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned his own way. This, my friends, describes every single person sitting here this morning. Who has not trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith in this suffering servant? You see, we, we are all sinners and we are separated from God. And our sin deserves punishment. And to be condemned for all eternity in hell where we belong. Because we have sinned against God. Who can deliver us? Who can appease this righteous judge? Who can? The second person of the triune God can. He he will come into this world to be a sacrifice. A penal substitution for our sins. And what really penal substitution means is that Jesus died paying sins penalty in our place. He will be crushed for our iniquities. He will be pierced for our transgressions. He will be smitten by God himself, Yahweh God. He will be afflicted. He will be chastening for our peace fell upon him. We are healed by his wounds. This suffering servant who is supreme will be shunned. And not only that, he will lay down his life as a sacrifice. My friend, no amount of good works can atone for your sins. Are you trusting in your abilities? Have you trusted in the finished work of this suffering servant? We have seen the servant supremacy, the servant shunning, the servant sacrifice. Let us consider our fourth stanza, the servant silence. Isaiah 53, verse 7 through 9 reads, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off, of the land of the living, cut off out of the land of the living, that he, that for the transgression of my people, striking was due to him. So his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with the rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. luke 23 from verse 35 to 37 tells us that and and when the people stood by looking on and the rulers were scoffing at him saying he saved others let him save himself if this is the christ of god his chosen one and the soldiers also mocked him coming up to him offering him a sour wine and saying If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Listen to Matthew, Matthew 26. And the high priest stood up and said to him, Do you not answer what are these men testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was flogged. He was slapped in the face and, and mocked. Hail, King of the Jews. He was punched by a Roman soldier that demanded him to prophesy who punched him. His enemies will have their time as they oppress and afflict him. He will be crucified naked this Suffering servant. He will be humiliated. He will be pierced with a spear. He will die. Notice what verse 9 tells us. He had done no violence, he was innocent. This suffering servant was innocent. So his grave was assigned with wicked men, and yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. He died. Matthew tells us that when the evening came, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus this man went to pilate and asked for the body of jesus then pilate ordered it to be given to him and joseph took the body and wrapped it in a linen cloth in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own tomb which he had hewn out of the rock he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Don't defend your name when you are slandered, Christian. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 through 22. For this, for to this you have been called. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, who being reviled was not reviling in return while suffering he was uttering no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously don't defend your name God will vindicate you Christian God will vindicate you. Let us look at our fifth and final stanza, the servant's success. But Yahweh was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If you would place, if you would place his soul as a guilt offering, he will see his seed; he will prolong his days and the good pleasure of Yahweh will succeed in his hand. And as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide for him a portion with the many, and he will divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors. On a human perspective, it looks like it's a failure. It looks like this suffering servant who is supreme, who was shunned, who became a sacrifice, who was silent when he was led to slaughter, did not succeed, did he? He suffered and died. He said nothing. He was killed. He was buried. Does this look like a triumphant song? But this song really draws our attention to look beyond, to look to God, to look to heavens on God's point of view. The song tells us that it pleased Yahweh to crush him, putting him to grief. This death was planned before the foundations of the world so that many... Their sins would be forgiven, atoned for, justified. My servant will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. The suffering servant succeeded. Notice in verse 10. He will see his seed. This suffering servant who was buried in a borrowed tomb will see his seed. And this language is a language of resurrection. He will see his seed. He will not stay in a tomb for long. The pleasure of Yahweh will succeed. Verse 11 tells us he will prolong his days. He will bear their iniquities. This suffering servant, brothers and sisters, will bear their iniquities. His mission was accomplished. It was a success. He did what he came here to do. And he was able to stand on that cross and say, it is finished. He will see his seed. He will prolong his days. He will not stay in the grave. He will be resurrected. He is not here. He has risen. The preacher tells us in Hebrews 12, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In all the joys and the festivities of Christmas, don't lose sight, Christian, of this suffering servant. The sinless one who was numbered with sinners, bore the punishment that we deserve interceded for sinners. I would like to close with Acts chapter 8 from verse 25 through 40. Listen when I read. Acts chapter 8. It's a story about Philip and the eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8 from verses 25 through 40 So when they had solemnly bore witness and spoken the word of the Lord they started back to Jerusalem and were proclaiming the gospel to many villages and of the Samaritans but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying rise up and go to the south and go to south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a deserted, this is a desert road. So he rose up and went. And behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. And Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, Well, how how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. As a sheep is led to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will recount his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you earnestly, of whom does the prophet say this? of himself or of someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth and began from the scripture. He proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, You may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him. But he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus. As he passed through, he kept proclaiming the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? I urge you, unbeliever, if you are here this morning, Turn from your sins. Turn to Christ. Turn from your sins. Trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Confess your sin. Yes, Lord, I am a sinner. I deserve condemnation. Today, now, Today is the day of salvation. Now, believer, adore him. May you have your gaze upon this suffering servant who is supreme, who was shunned, who, who was a sacrifice and was silent as he was led to the slaughter. And it was a success. He did not fail he appeased the wrath of God that was meant to be poured upon you adore him. rejoice don't lose sight of this suffering servant let us come to the Lord in a word of prayer Our Father in heaven, we thank you for Christ, the eternal Son of God, who enjoyed unity with you for all eternity. But you, God, from all eternity past, decided that your Son should come and die on the cross. And he said, yes, Father, I will do your will. And he came willingly, took upon flesh, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. He lived a life that we can never live. He died a death that we deserve. And because of Christ, we are now clothed with his righteousness. Thank you. That at at the right time, at a proper time, Christ died for us. Holy Spirit, thank you so, so much that you were also involved in the work of salvation. You have sealed us. We are the inheritance of God, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You convict us of sin. You teach us Christ. Thank you, triune God, for being involved in the work of salvation. O Lord, we do pray that we may behold Christ, that we may love Christ. In everything that we do, may we gaze upon this suffering servant, that it pleases Yahweh to crush him. And on that cross, there was that great exchange where our sins were imputed on him and his righteousness was imputed on us. And therefore, this morning, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness, not being scared to be consumed by this holy, holy, holy God, but because of Christ thank you. Thank you for loving us so much, for sending your son to die on the cross for us. We pray all these things in dependence of your son's name. Amen.